This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello and welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, February 7th, 2022. Jamie Butters is off today and tomorrow. I'm Automotive News staff reporter Larry Veliquet, and I'll be serving as your guest host in Jamie's absence. Thanks for stopping by. Later on, we'll be joined by Bob Carter, head of sales for Toyota Motor North America. Today is the first half of a two-part interview with Bob. We'll discuss not only how long the chip crisis will last, but how it's fundamentally changed everything he knew about automotive retailing for the last 40 years. Then tomorrow, in part two, you'll get a special look at the private side of Bob Carter, his love of motorsports, and how that love has inspired a special man cave garage he's built during COVID. He'll also tell you how he discovered that concrete isn't as soft as it used to be when he was younger. That part of the interview comes Tuesday, but right now, let's take a closer look at what's making news in our automotive world this morning. We start today with Ford, which said it plans to suspend or cut output at eight assembly plants in North America this week due to chip supply constraints. Those factories produce some of the automaker's most popular models, including the F-150 pickup, Bronco SUV, and the Mustang Mach-E crossover. Last week, Ford warned that the ongoing chip shortage would lead to a decline in first quarter vehicle production but the company says it expects vehicle volumes to improve significantly in the second half of the year. Meanwhile, Volkswagen Group's head of purchasing isn't quite so optimistic. VW's Murat Axel telling automotive news affiliate Automobile Volca that the chip situation will be, quote, volatile this year. He also said the situation would ease in 2023 after new chip production capacity comes online. Turning to Asia, Subaru said this morning that its quarterly operating profits plunged by 66% to 22.7 billion yen, or $197.2 million, in the fiscal third quarter, which ended December 31st. The Japanese automaker said its global production fell another 20% in the period and was down 11% so far in its first three quarters because of the chip crisis. Subaru also downgraded its forecast for the current quarter and said that for the year it would sell 740,000 vehicles globally, off 14%, and far below the 1 million vehicles it had originally predicted. The company also said its unfilled back orders in the U.S. had ballooned to 42,000 vehicles and would keep growing because it couldn't keep its factories running. Staying with microchips, Auto Forecast Solutions' new estimate of production cuts has grown further with the forecasting firm now expecting an additional 1 million vehicles lost this year on top of the 10 million lost a year ago. That's up 61% from a week earlier. European plants were expected to lose an additional 91,600 vehicles above earlier forecasts, while production losses continued to grow in both North and South America as well, AFS said. The forecast production cuts coming in the face of some earlier optimism from global automakers that the chip crisis would ease in the second half of this year. Those are your headlines this morning. North and South America, Europe, Asia. 
hungry automakers everywhere staring at one big empty bowl of chips. Which brings us back to our guest today, Toyota's Bob Carter, who sees that bowl a bit more optimistically than do others in our industry. We'll be right back after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Bob Carter, Head of Sales at Toyota Motor North America. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always good to uh, talk with you, Larry. Uh, I have a little bit of a confession. The reason I wanted to have you on uh, Daily Drive, and this is my first Daily Drive, is to lend some, I'm going to call it, experienced perspective uh, to what's going on in the market today. You are, uh, I think, the dean now of of sales guys in the, in the U.S. Well, Larry, that's interesting. I never thought of that, um, but uh, I love this business and uh, been in one form or another and been involved in Toyota sales for now over 40 years. Did you start been out as a warranty processor? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I applied, uh, I applied for a management trainee program back in the early 80s for, for Toyota because uh, growing up in Western PA, and looking at the landscape of the auto business, I really wanted to be um, with one of the international brands. Unfortunately, at that time, I was uh, deemed that I wasn't, uh, I wasn't cut out to be in the management trainee program. So I was hired as a temp in our warranty department. <laughs> Do you remember what your first warranty claim was? <laughs> um, yeah, because I had a little bit of a uh, little bit of automotive knowledge. I, you know, sort of a shake tree mechanic growing up. Um, I originally was placed into the high dollar, uh, the high dollar warranty claims uh, area, and reviewed all the uh, the transmissions and engine claims that were coming through at the time. Nice. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, sales. We just. We just finished January sales. 
And uh, I, I talked to a couple dealers, especially a couple Toyota dealers this week, who told me they had they they ended the month with zero inventory. They had sold everything on their lot. Uh, so tell me what you're seeing on the ground in your in the U.S. dealerships, both for Toyota and for everybody else. Well, that is the uh, the case, Larry. In uh, in U.S., we sold 157, 158,000 units, and left about 12,000 units in dealer stock. So that 12,000 units in dealer stock uh, equates to about a 2.4 day supply. Now, that was one of the things that I've learned through this pandemic. Uh, Years and years of looking at sales reports, I never knew our sales reports had the capability of tracking day supply in tents, but it does. But uh, quite frankly, that joking aside, that's really a tribute attributed to um, to really two important groups of people. First, our dealers. Uh, it's Our dealers are, are pre-selling their inventory. I stop at a lot of dealerships when I can. Uh, occasionally, I'm there when a load or two shows up. And it's fun watching the salespeople go out front, start pointing to all the vehicles. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. And we're in a, an environment that a, a load of eight vehicles come in. Um, you know, there's customer deposits and orders on every one. Um, beyond that, you know, our manufacturing R&D and particularly our purchasing folks are really magnificent. Um, this is a very difficult time in the industry. But for them to do what they're able to do of sourcing parts and manufacturing vehicles into very difficult situations is, uh, is truly remarkable. So um, my hat's off to the dealers and our manufacturing folks that uh, are able to continue to produce vehicles under these circumstances. I've said this to our people. I have, uh, we have a lot of problems day to day, but I don't have a single complaint. This is, uh, this is a great time to be in the Toyota business. What are, what are you seeing uh, from your competitors? Or do you have any focus on them right now? Well, you know, our focus, our focus is really on our business and we have our plans and, and we work for our results. But, you know, you have to keep, this is a very competitive business. Uh, I think that, um, that, that all OEMs are, are, uh, are facing the same challenges as we are. You know, I talked to some very good friends that are large Chevy dealers and, uh, and Chevrolets having some inventory challenges on their heavy trucks. You know, my understanding is uh, Honda was very um, thin on, on vehicles uh, in January, December and January. On the other, reverse side of that, uh, it seems like Ford's got some flow going on F-150s and, uh, and Hyundai and, and uh, Kia have some flow going on cars coming out of their plants. But uh, overall, uh, no one has the inventory levels that I think the consumers are looking for. So we're in a supply, supply demand situation that, quite frankly, we've, we've never experienced in the, art, the business before. But uh, I continue to be very optimistic. I was hopeful that uh, by Q1, we would have some of these uh, supply chain challenges behind us. Uh, and then Omicron popped up. And, you know, it, it slowed down the supply chain. But uh, we're, we're doing well, and I'm very optimistic with what uh, 2022 is going to shape up to be. 
Uh, I've told our dealers that there's no reason that I see that 2022 can't be a better year than 2021. And from a retail perspective, it, 2021 was the best year in history. Yeah. I had a Toyota dealer this week tell me uh, that he found a silver lining to his inventory situation, which I thought was fascinating. As, as, well, what was that? Uh, you know, well, we all went through the winter storm uh, this this week, uh, a lot of us in this country. And he said it has made plowing his, his lot so much easier, <laughs> plowing <laughs> yeah. the snow off I, his lot. I agree with that. And Larry, I've, been, uh, I, I've made some investments in lot striping companies because uh, – now is the best time in history to restripe your lot. So how, how long is this inventory uh, situation going to last, uh, both for Toyota and for the rest of the industry? All right. There's two things. I, I really believe, and I can only speak for Toyota, we're going to see uh, as the year progresses, um, stabilization of our ability to produce. And so we should see more consistent wholesale um, as we move, you know, to late first first quarter into second second quarter, but quite frankly, um, the inventory situation is so low for the industry, and demand, you know, the the consumer consumer demand is still at all time highs. Uh, interest rates, which are going to go up this year, are still near historic lows. And one thing that we tend to forget, the average vehicle that's driving around the U.S. right now is 12 years old. So demand will continue, I believe, to outpace production for the entire industry all year long. So while we should see uh, increased in total industry volume, and we're forecasting the industry to, to increase to a 16.5 million SAR this year, um, day supply is still going to remain very, very low. So I think we're going to, to remain in this supply-driven uh, environment throughout 22 and perhaps into early 23. So if we get to a 16.5 SAR this year, how many million uh, uh, would-be buyers are still going to be on the, on the sidelines waiting well, that, that becomes a little bit more art than science, but the, the market is acting as if demand is there to support maybe a 17.2, 17.5, or even higher. Uh, and a 16.5, perhaps maybe a little bit more aggressive than some of the third parties are projecting, but that's, uh, you know, that's uh, our confidence on the ability of the industry to produce 16, 16.5 million cars. I don't believe that we're going to get to the end of 22. And certainly our inventories are at extreme level today. It'll, it'll be improved from today, but it's, you know, we're not going to be looking at 30 or 45 day supply. I think, um, I think the demand is so high that the industry will remain constrained on inventory, which is not a bad thing. You know, the, you know, you know, floor plan costs are low. Um, Consumer choice is still there if we are able to produce, um, but it's not going to bring the inherent costs and some of the, you know, I think the bad practices we all experience in this industry at times. So uh, I'm very, very positive on the outlook of 2022. So, Bob, let's talk about those bad habits that uh, this industry was famous for several years ago. We have lived through uh, 
the the worst situation in our lifetime that has morphed into one of the best situations in this industry's history. Tell me how you think that long term the auto retailing industry is going to change and how many of those bad habits from years ago are going to come back eventually. Well, Larry, that's, you know, that's the crystal ball. And I'm not sure if my crystal ball is better than, than anyone else's in the industry. But I think what's important to really reflect on is the industry has proved that we can sustain volume with much lower levels of, of VR inventory. And, you know, that will, you know, I think we're going to be in that environment for quite some time. Um, it has in some ways made it more expensive for the consumer because we're in a supply and demand situation, but it's also simplified the shopping experience. I think the greatest thing that we're going to see isn't necessarily the change of, of, uh, of inventories and production, but is the change of generations that we're all experiencing. I know it's no longer a boomer, baby boomer centric market. It's, you know, the, um, the market is really on baby boomers children. And that's where we get into the, the area of, you know, supporting the sale, supporting the showroom through digital events. You know, we have one been working for, for a number of years on Smart Path in Monogram. Um, we designed this as a dealer-driven digital solution. Um, typical of Toyota, we, you know, there is no strong arm. We're not requiring Toyota dealers to be Smart Path or Lexus dealers to be Monogram. Uh, it's there. We built it for dealers. We think it's the best system in the industry. The feedback is there, but what you know, we consistently tell our dealers is that if if you believe that Smart Path or Monogram is not the best op, best solution for your operation, then go find your your optimal digital solution. So I strongly encourage everyone to you know to take a look at what we've built. I think it's really the most dealer centric and Toyota and Lexus-centric system in the world. But if you think there's an, a, another solution out there, um, by all means, integrate the solution. The only thing I do recommend is please make sure that you do have a digital platform because it's important today. I think it's going to be critical for auto retailing in the future. Yeah, it, it really is pretty uh, astounding, the timing of that technology uh, coming right right before the pandemic started. You guys were just rolling it out uh, and dealers got really a firsthand crash course in how important it was. Right. And they, they really, they really profited from it. Yeah. So do you think it's the fundamental way that people buy cars, uh, which, you know, been off the rack for lack of a better term uh, for our lifetimes, is that going to change? Are people going to start ordering on a regular basis going forward? Uh, you know, it's tough to broad brush. Uh, there's, I think the digital can help that solution, you know, help, you know, consumers today are acting different than they did 20 years ago. You know, it used to be, and I'm, I'm off of memory, but if you go back 20 years ago, the average consumer stopped at, at 5.6 dealerships to decide what vehicle was right for their family. 
that no longer exists. The, you know, the average dealer, number of dealerships um, shopped is less than two today. So the customer is already using the internet and sources and, and word of mouth to determine what, they, you know, what they're interested in buying. But what's still critical and you know, very, very small, small percent of consumers are comfortable buying a vehicle without actually seeing it or touching it. And you know, whether you know, it, it's driving a demonstrator unit or what have you. So as the market begins to normalize, you know, the test drive and the relationship with retail is going to be critically important, particularly in the life cycle of the vehicle, um, to get to know, you know, the, the service department and have the, you know, the maintenance there. It's, I truly believe the future of the franchise system is extremely healthy. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric around, you know, direct sales and, you know, what that may, you know, that may entail. Quite frankly, um, you know, I'm not interested, Toyota's not interested in any concept of direct sales. We work very closely with our dealers. Our dealers are our franchise. They're the ones who represent us in their local communities. And quite frankly, I think that's going to become more important in the future versus less important. So, um, you know, the digital aspect that I'm talking about just really complements the brick and mortar stores. It's not going to replace them. Yeah. I want to talk about one more thing from a business perspective, uh, if we can. I want to talk about incentives for a minute, factory incentives. Sure. Last, uh, according to Motor Intelligence, industry vehicle incentives in January uh, across the industry were a bit over $1,800, which is half of where they were a year ago and a fraction of where they were the year before. To folks in sales across automakers, they must feel like like 45-year smokers who have just kicked the habit, right? <laughs> yeah, Um you know, there's there's a view. We we've had a little bit different view than perhaps the industry. I mean, there there's there's the old um, way of looking at incentives of price up and discount down to you hit your sales volume. Uh, we haven't uh, we've never taken that approach. I don't believe in that approach because it's so hard on on residual values and used car values. Uh, we use all have always used incentives strategically. Um, there's times that you know. Um, you know, um, you know, Camrys may have slowed, but Corollas are red hot. And so we're balancing, we use it to balance our inventories. Um, today, we're in an environment that, um, that uh, our incentives, which are typically the lowest in the industry or among the lowest, um, we're there to make sure that the consumers understand that, that part of the Toyota and Lexus brands are providing great value. Um, the finance market is extremely competitive today. So we are incentivized today just to provide that value, but also to compete, not necessarily with other OEMs, but we have to keep, uh, we have to compete with banks and credit unions and everything else in the market. So, you know, today on a couple of our products, we'll have 1.9 financing. And, you know, so you can look at that and say, well, wait, on one hand, you're saying you're, you're in, your inventory restricted. Um, 
why why even have a 1.9 financing? But it's important that that uh, not only do we want to sell the car, but we also want to finance the car. And by financing the car, we know that TFS does a much better job of the customer experience than if that customer was out at a local bank or, or credit union. And, you know, it gives us a much higher percentage of retention three, four, five years from now when the customer comes back to the market. Well, Bob, let's break here for today. And we're going to talk tomorrow about your life as an adrenaline junkie. Uh, and, and your fascinating garage that you built in Dallas. So let's stop here today and we'll pick this back up tomorrow. Okay. Thank you very much, Larry. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Larry Veliquet. When you need the latest news on electric vehicles or microchips or anything in this auto industry, type in autonews.com. Thanks to Josh Freed for his editing in today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening. Now, let's get back to work.